Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of your most self-indulgent podcast on the internet. High and mighty, it's me, your host, your boy, the boy. The number one fuck boy. The number one fuck boy. The number one fuck boy. Oh, Jesus. A lot of phlegm on that one. Joining me, as always, in the High and Mighty studio is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris, destroying a bone and his gums at the same time. And also in the High and Mighty studio for the first time, my wonderful guest, uh, football writer, football podcast, writer, podcaster, human being, father, Mm. wife. Surprisingly attractive was what you wanted me to say. Yeah, you got it. You <laughs> got it. Okay, cool. Dan Anzis, what's up, bud? Thanks for coming in. What's up? And it, first of all, it's an honor to, to see your intro as someone that hosts a podcast myself. <laughs> I, I love it, but I also hate it because I'll never do anything quite as good, no matter what I do. I hate you for the number one fuckboy, but I love you for it as well. Thanks. I have a very hard time doing it in front of people. I realize it's always like I'm always like ready to do it, and then when I look like. Uh, I forget who was on uh, last. Someone I just couldn't even look at them when I did it. I had it's, my head down. Because we're you know we're getting to know each other. We know each other, but we're not like buddy buddy. So we're we're catching up before we start, and then all of a sudden you go into the histrionics, and it is a little jarring, but it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now I'm in my podcast mode. My hat's on backwards. It's like a switch when you spin it around. I just did Schwarzenegger's voice for a Stallone movie. Perfect. Oh, really? Yeah, by accident I said, uh, my hat is like a switch, but it's really, uh, and it's it's just Stallone turning his hat around and over the top. All right, guys, I'm sorry, shitheads. <laughs> the best part the best part of over the top for me will always be the idea that when they're doing the talking heads and then Stallone gets very serious and looks in the camera and he's like, I just need a truck. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. He feels like a special needs guy. It's very basic, yeah. his needs, yeah. I like that there's a dude who drinks motor oil as a warm-up yeah. who I've been told that I kind of look like. <laughs> and that was hard to hear. Hey, he was the runner-up, wasn't he? It's yeah, not the worst cl- thing to be. He was close, yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into the reviews real quick. Dan, you listen to the podcast, so you know this. I do. I love as, it. As always, listeners, if you rate me five stars on iTunes and roast me in the comments... 
I will read them, and I will try to get to all of them. Nothing positive, please. Okay? <laughs> Nothing positive. All right. This is from Swim Girl 2003. I love her already. Yeah. John Garbins is a very bad <laughs> podcast man. John Garbins needs to stop being a bad, bad burping man, or someone is going to have to teach him a lesson. Wink. Mm. We will spank Mr. John's big belly and jiggle his <laughs> jowls. Fix your levels, fix your levels, but Johnny don't know how. Teary face. Great pod fa- podcast. Look forward each week. Five stars. That sounds like the lyrics to a song, almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will spank Mr. John's big belly and jiggle his jowls. Um, I have no qualms about being fat. I'm openly yeah. o- overweight, but jowls are my... The fear, mm. Jow, like fat face, is what scares me. Yeah, because it's it's something that we all have to worry about. And once it turns on you, I've often <laughs> thought about the idea of you know I'm in my mid 30s, and even like people that keep their stuff together, by the time you get into the 40s, it starts to go on you, and right. it just time. Yeah, people are always like, yeah, once you hit 40, it really falls apart. I'm like, I've been falling apart since 27. God only knows what I'm going to look like when I'm 40. I'm going to be like aging in dog years. A freak show or yeah. something. I think I jowls. Fears. Yeah, jowls is something that not even a beard can cover up. I use a beard to hide a lot. I've been working yeah. on a beard as well. It's a good time at the end of the football I'm season. It. I'm enjoying it. You grow it in because you're not getting to the gym enough. And it's like, <laughs> save me, protect me. Protect me. Don't let anyone know how round my face yeah. is. Um, all right, so let's get to a couple more reviews. Um, this is from Conman75. Most people use the word dank to describe things they like now. I like this podcast, but would use the word dank in its literal sense. Disagreeably damp, musty, and typically cold to describe this podcast. Damn. Wow, thanks, Conman. I got, I got to take umbrage <laughs> with the word cold. I think this podcast is anything cold, anything but cold. Yeah, it's pretty warm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very I'm warm, I'm welcoming, there's yeah. a dog, there, I offer water. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's like the minimum. I give you bread and water, you sit down, I don't make you stand for the whole podcast. You are doing this as a favor to me in my apartment. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's not that good. <laughs> it's a little cold. <laughs> um, all right, this is from, uh, hold on, sorry. Oh, this is from DeBarge. Oh, I like it. Not El DeBarge, just uh-huh. DeBarge. I meant to subscribe to Doughboys. Accidentally downloaded this instead. It's self-indulgent, disorganized ramblings from Josh Groban and his useless... Com- oh, I think I may have read this one already. Or maybe more people have called me Josh Groban. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone... This is from Starfuckboy. Jern Gabcuck looks like a shaved alt-right Ewok. Love the show. <laughs> now... I love you, Star Fuck Boy. That has like three of my favorite things in it. You call me a cuck. You call me alt right. You say I'm an Ewok, but I think you mean Wookie. Mm. I am a little cute and dump dumpy like an Ewok, Ewok but yeah. I'm six two. You got. I mean, if you're gonna drop the the insults, you got to get your Star Wars terminology correct. <laughs> correct. Technically, I'm, I'm closer to a Gamorrean guard <laughs> than anything else. <laughs> now I'm in Doughboys territory. Talk. Do you know? Are you familiar with the podcast Doughboys? No, I'm not. You should check it out. Okay. If you like fast food, yeah, they go to chain restaurants and review it, and they're they're two of my buddies, and they're absolutely awful to each I other. I will put. Oh, <laughs> now I will definitely. That last part sold me. <laughs> I'm plugging a podcast I have nothing to do with that isn't even on the same network as mine to my guests. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it off air. That's why I'll say it on air. But 
Enough about me, guys. As always, if you want to hear your handle said out loud on a podcast for whatever reason, <laughs> rate, uh, rate me five stars and roast me in the comments, and you too can get to call me an alt-right cuck Ewok or whatever. <laughs> But enough about that. Since the world is burning down, well, the country is burning down around yeah. us, let's take this opportunity to talk about one of the world's greatest distractions. No matter what, we have the Super Bowl. Yes. Every year, like clockwork, fuck Christmas, fuck Easter, fuck Easter. I'm so Catholic. <laughs> uh, fuck Palm Sunday. I don't have any other references. Is there like a Hanukkah or a Kwanzaa or something? <laughs> The Super Bowl is as much of a national holiday as almost anything else. In fact, you can even take it further if you are someone that doesn't agree with the policies and general demeanor of our president-elect. You can realize that he failed in his attempt to take on the NFL with the USFL, uh, which went down in flames in the 1980s. The NFL beat Trump once. <laughs> That's and, a great you know, documentary, the yes. 30 for 30, about the USFL. Small potatoes. Small potatoes, yeah. yes. And it just shows Donald Trump. It's like when you see the... Doc pumping iron, and you realize how charismatic yet possible of Arnold it is. Like, you could see Arnold being a governor in pumping iron. You could see him (laughs) being a huge actor in pumping iron. In Small Potatoes, you see, oh, Donald Trump is a legitimate 80s movie bad guy. Right. He's like, oh, no, we'll go on Sundays during football. Right? They they were going to maybe play USFL in the spring. That was their goal. And then he moved it to the fall to go right after him, and they immediately shut down. (laughs) Right. And then when his idea sunk the league, he then called the whole operation Small Potatoes. (laughs) But, you know, I remember watching that and thinking, oh, this reaffirms my beliefs about that. As we both grew up in New York or around the same age, like I remember Trump was this guy that was the real estate guy that had a messy divorce in like 1991 and Marla Maples was involved. Like he was always just kind of like this dude that was like on the periphery of things uh, in terms of culture in the tri-state area. Uh, I, I could have never imagined I could, being the president. All I think back to Trump is my mom goes to his casino so much. That's like... To me, makes him like the king of trash, but to my mom, made him like an idol mm. <laughs> that he owned casinos. Brutal. Yeah, all I remember is that he was like a rich scumbag who made money off of gambling yeah. and then buying things. And and all I knew about him was he's mired in controversy with his wives and divorces and all that. That was the big thing. And that was just the yeah. fucking pebble <laughs> pre-avalanche of controversy. And he was in Home Alone 2. Like, that was right. the level that we were dealing with. He had a Home Alone 2 cameo. <laughs> he was just existing. He hates liberal Hollywood, world. but he's a rich <laughs> New Yorker who's been in movies and TV shows. All right. We could easily talk about that. But what we're saying is Trump may have beat Hillary. But the NFL beat Trump. So if you are a supporter of Hillary, it's time to get on board with the NFL. <laughs> there you go. Like what you did there. NFL, bipartisan and um, like a, a re- bipartisan, um, secular, but truly a place of worship and obsession. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been working with the NFL since 2010. And it's just... I mean, it's just a juggernaut. It's like a, a global uh, beast. And it, listen, the NFL is not perfect. They have they've gotten their hands dirty, and there's been some situations that have happened in the past six six and a half years since I've worked there. But at the end of the day, people always come back because it's part of their lives. It's the fabric of their lives. Their dads. You grew up watching it with them. Your brothers. Your family. Like 
you know, the Jets and Giants in New York, they're they're a part of that region. You have young kids. Like, are you looking so forward to gifting them uh, football fandom? Uh, you know, what? or as a New Yorker living in L.A., is that you're you're a Jets guy? I'm a Jets guy, which okay. is and I, I'm just like a tough thing because <laughs> yeah, no shit, I mean, dude. <laughs> I did think about it. Like my dad and I, my dad who grew up in the Bronx is a Yankees fan, but then like took to Namath because he kind of came of age around Joe Namath's time. So that's how he attached with the Jets. There's not a lot of Yankees Jets fans. As no, well. that's an interesting cross. Usually Mets, Jets, Yankees, Giants. And do we do you have any information as to why that is? Why it is that? Well, it's more kind of uh, the y- Yankees and Giants were around longer. The Giants yeah. used to play at Yankee Stadium. They were kind of linked. And the Jets and Mets both showed up in the early 60s. And they were kind of more like the option for like a younger generation. Right. And I think, especially in like Long Island and, and, and j- parts of Jersey, the, it became Jets town. And right. Queens, obviously, where Shea Stadium was. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I always like my... This is my small town semi-racist point of view. Was like on Long Island, it was like I feel like the Italian kids liked the Giants and Yankees, and the Jewish kids liked the Jets and the Mets. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I've known I've known nothing. Uh, Joe Namath won Super Bowl three in nineteen sixty nine. I've I've known nothing in my thirty six years but heartache. <laughs> and I I honestly did think when my first son Jack was born uh, in two thousand fourteen, like should I? put him through that should i make him a jets fan or really point him or should i let him do what he wants and maybe he attaches himself to a team that uh won't make him sad which is what the jets have done essentially <laughs> right. for my whole life right uh my my buddy maybe you know him adam pally is a diehard jets fan his you know. father-in-law is a diehard giants fan mm. his kid was born they living out here at the time and the grandfather was like Please let my please let him be a Giants fan. <laughs> and my, Adam's like, I'm not going to put him through being a Jets fan. I'm going to let him be a Giants. It's such a different existence, a Jets and Giants. And I grew up in a town that was mostly Giants fans, so most of my high school friends uh, are Giants fans. And it's just uh, it, it, you're envious. And I'm yeah. lucky. At least I have the Yankees, right? Uh, which they've had a lot of success. Maybe not in the last seven or eight years, but. Uh, so I at least got that. Uh, so I wasn't totally miserable. The Met Jet fan. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough. It blows. But it that's, is rough. But, but I think that becomes part of that their identity. Yes. I think that's why they like that underdog. Maybe that's what I assumed why I attached uh, Jewish guys to it. Jewish people to it because it's like that underdog mentality. Of, right. We fucking can survive anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> you can try to uh, knock us out of the league, out of a country, and we're not going anywhere. It is kind of a badge of courage to to say you're a Jets fan. Because people instantly know, oh, you've been trapped with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for the last 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and before that, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it, it's been rough. The Jets have won like two divisional titles in 40 years. <laughs> divisional titles. Uh, three is the number. They, they've won three since 1971 or whatever. And that's outrageous. No trips to the Super Bowl. No, the Giant fans, you guys get... All right, you sometimes lose Super Bowls, but you'll go like once every 10 years or so, and sometimes you'll have an amazing victory. Uh, we don't even go. Right. It's it's wild. Talking to Giants fans is really funny because we're the only people who could win a Super Bowl one year and the next year on week two be like, fuck this team. <laughs> like, like, like every year, like the year we won the last the two Super Bowls is like the next next year. It was like, fuck the Giants, fuck Eli. Like, yeah. It's just, I think it's a New York mentality of like I think it's, hot or cold, baby. <laughs> I think it's the Yankees-Giants dynamic too. Like that is a, 
great one-two punch to be locked in with. And it, at, at the downside of that is you just expect more yeah. because your whole life, you know, <laughs> the Yankees, pr- they won four titles in five years. And if you're an older Yankees fan, you had two titles in the 70s. And if you're a baby boomer, you had Mickey Mantle. Right. So you always expected victories. And, and the Giant fan, they, they've they had a nice little run. Yeah, I was born in 82. I've been around for all the Giants Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah, it's been fucking great. I don't remember the 86 one live, but I did have a VHS tape of it, and I would watch it when I was like in high school and stuff because I was such a fan of the Giants. But holy shit, real quick, accidental callback to the beginning of the episode. During the 86 Super Bowl on the VHS, the coolest thing about it was watching the commercials. Oh, I love commercials of old stuff. Yeah, yeah. and it was the over-the-top trailer aired during <laughs> that Super Bowl, during the Giants-Broncos Super Bowl. I love the, the <laughs> ad wizards in Hollywood. Like, we need a big platform for this mega blockbuster <laughs> about arm wrestling in uh, Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what you listeners do for a living, but I guarantee, or for fun, I don't know what you do at all. I know you sort of like podcasts and have some audio issues with how I record. Outside of that, I don't know what you're up to, but I'm saying, I'm assuming whatever you're doing could use a website, whether it's for fun, for your friend's fantasy website, for your Dungeons & Dragons group, for your uh, photography of dog shit, for your photography of dishwashers that are loaded absolutely perfectly, dadpacking.org or whatever, something where your dad packs the trunk perfectly for a vacation. I don't know what you're doing, but if you are, if you have a website, you should be using Squarespace. You got, They got beautiful award-winning designer templates. It's all-in-one. You could just there's no installing patching upgrading you just make the website 24 7 customer service unique domain experience and you can do it for like your restaurant your food truck your uh place that delivers food i don't know why food is on my mind i mean i know why food is always on my mind what i'm getting at is Use Squarespace to make a website. Hey, do me a favor. Tweet at me if you've actually made a website using Squarespace. It doesn't have to be with promo code MIGHTY, but I'd like that. If it's not, just let me know. I'm just curious what you guys are making out there, what the listeners of this podcast are doing with Squarespace. All right. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code MIGHTY to get 10% off your first purchase, which could include a year of hosting. So get to squarespace.com. Promo code MIGHTY. Get 10% off your first purchase. And let me see what kind of sites you can make. Dog? Sorry, I had to take a quick break there. Uh, screener season means UPS knocks on your door. Because oh. no, don't no one want my stolen copy of Hidden Figures on DVD? <laughs> <laughs> I actually am pumped to watch that. But, uh, wait, we were talking about Super Bowls. I was just about to say... Do you have any like distinct? Because even the Super Bowl is not even if your team's not in it, you still go to someone's house to watch it or to a bar to watch it, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, since I've worked at the NFL, I've gone to the last five, which is a really cool experience, <laughs> and it's a surreal experience because it is you're at the center of the world, but uh, for that one day. But I will say that I miss being able to go to like Super Bowl parties and. And when I was younger, watching the Super Bowl with my dad and yeah. that, that type of that type of vibe. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, like the Jets, since they've never been in the Super Bowl in my lifetime, it's like I've never looked at it like, oh, the Super Bowl won't be as good this year because the Jets aren't involved. It's just it's never involved the Jets. So it's just the two teams. And I'm I've always been a big football fan. So by the time the game comes around, it's like, oh, I want to see these two great teams play. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> now, what's it like to be at the Super Bowl? I you 
work for the NFL, do you have to do anything actively during the game? Are you reporting? Are you writing? Are you? Well, we're in the press box, and I guess uh, the game as like events unfold because we write kind of like a, a blog type thing on on NFL dot com uh, where we cover the news of the day. So if something happens, we'll is write it called some... the end around? Is that what you call end it? end around? Is a, a separate entity that I kind of recently um, kind of la- launched from, but uh, before that. I worked for Around the NFL, which oh. is our news arm of NFL.com. Now you're totally caught up to date <laughs> Got it. with all the specifics of <laughs> NFL.com. But, uh, yeah, I used to cover straight news. And, yeah, after the game uh, is when the, a lot of the work began because we would go down to the locker rooms or we go down to the locker rooms and you talk to guys and get the angles. And that, to me, has always been the most surreal part of like covering the Super Bowl. That's got to be fucking yeah. wild. First of all, it must be crazy to be in the building that ev- most people in the country are watching. Yeah, like, or- <laughs> the, like when you look. Yeah, you go to the you go to the game. We get there early because for security reasons, you have to get there by like ten, eleven a.m. Uh, but you get to see the place slowly fill up in the buzz, and you see like the snipers on the top of buildings across from the stadium, and oh. all the security, and just like the buzz of the energy of like this huge. Uh, fucking game it's like an amazing thing to be a part of uh and uh the the strange thing though the first time i ever covered the super bowl was actually your giants beating the pats the second time i was gonna say which time yeah yeah, the second time (laughs) in indianapolis uh i guess it was february 2012 and uh, my boss told me okay go down to the giants locker room and I was like, oh, oh, shit, okay. And I got my stuff together, and I like thought for a second, oh, man, there's going to be champagne being sprayed everywhere. It's going to be chaos. I was thinking about like my tape recorder. Is it going to be okay? <laughs> and then when I got down there, I learned that the NFL Super Bowl celebration for the team is so different than like going like a World Series celebration or an NBA title where people are wearing goggles and stuff like that. <laughs> it's more like because these guys literally go through war on the field, right? And there's just a totally different. Uh, obviously, it's a happy a vibe and a, a sense of accomplishment that you could feel. But the guys are kind of just like going about their business, getting undressed, getting ice uh, out of the shower, getting iced <laughs> up, like talking amongst each other. It's a lot more kind of chill than you would think it would be. Um, which is always surreal. And the, the other thing is that Giants Super Bowl, I get down there and Seal is walking around with like an old time camera. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Seal, what, what's happening? And then later, I, like I'm hanging around there and then, because you know, the Maras, uh, yeah. yeah, they're the owners of the Giants. You see the two girls, uh, Kate and uh, Rooney? Rooney, the yeah. actresses, they're just standing in the middle of the locker room just kind of sheepishly as all these men are walking around and getting dressed and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is a totally bizarre situation. You got the Maras here. You got Seal walking around. What is Seal doing here? That's it weird that it's low key, but I guess it totally makes sense. Like they're absolutely beat up. It's like the end of a hard work day. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's an exhaustion to it all. And I'm sure they all go to like a, a club or something afterwards and celebrate. But when they're in that locker room, it is a lot more. Uh, low key than I thought it would be. Oh, that's wild! That's yeah. so cool. I, I could only imagine what being in the stadium as it fills up is because uh, the closest thing I've had to something like that was I was in Munich for Oktoberfest, and uh, the tent as it filled up throughout the day and as everyone got progressively drunker, <laughs> like it was a visual, visible, and uh, like uh, audio 
like energy that just slowly climbed where you're like, mm. there wasn't that many colors in here. Now right. there's a lot of, there wasn't that much movement. Now there, and it just slowly builds until it's like 6 p.m. and all the quiet people who trickled in at 10 are now fucking yeah, annihilated yeah. and flying. Yeah. I can only imagine what that's like at the, what's the tailgate situation like at a Super Bowl? Are people tailgating? No, it's a totally different vibe in the sense that it's, the security is so heavy for the event that they advise you to get into the building like three hours before kickoff. And wow. you're not going to have a, you're not going to see anybody grilling out outside and, right. and all that stuff, which is in a lot of ways the best part of going to a game. But <laughs> uh, and then it's all a lot of it's monetized and, and there is like a official quote unquote tailgate that the NFL throws that you could buy a ticket to. Right. And that gives you free food and an open bar, which yeah. is not a bad thing. And get you get you three hours into the stadium early means fucking another three hours of buying eleven dollar Bud Lights. Right. Right. So you have <laughs> you have that. But it is a, diff, a totally different vibe uh, than going to a game in November like the games in Houston this year. Uh, it's not going to be like a Texans game uh, in November. Right, right. Now, do you have uh, – you, you mentioned missing Super Bowl parties because, like, they're always fun. Do you have, like, a – you wish you could just go back to the olden days and just go to a friend's house and eat a bunch of guac and watch the Super Bowl and scream about – like, you – you're not even. You don't get to watch the commercials. <laughs> no, no. Which is yeah. Which like you miss. Like you miss that aspect of it. Uh, and you see, you know, part of our job, and like you know, anybody that's covering sports now is you got to have an eye on what's happening on Twitter or whatever. And like you see all these people reacting to what a crazy commercial this was, and you're and you're just kind of in this bubble. Uh, that's so, really yeah. funny for someone to be hearing right now. It's like I'm at the Super Bowl, going, man, I miss. I can't watch the commercials. Yeah, exactly. I did think when I went to my first couple of Giants games as a kid I was like at it would be more it's like almost better to watch on TV sometimes football I feel like is uh depending on where you are or like yeah. If you go to an ice cold game at the fucking Meadowlands or I get uh, MetLife, whatever. Uh, if you go to an ice cold, like I went to a rainy fucking game there where we tailgated. We were gonna tailgate, but it was like sleet, so we were sitting in my friend's Jeep, soft top Jeep <laughs> Wrangler, eating like steak off of a barbecue that's cooking outside the window. We're yeah. like passing it into, and then we go in, and, and I'm like, I would much rather have been at home smoking a joint, ordering Postmates, or it's, something. and it's also like, and it's a real problem for. I get for all sports, but f- f- football especially because it is not the the best. Um, <laughs> you, dogs going to town on my jeans. You definitely spilled food on it. Yeah, at it some does. point yeah. in your life, and then he'll find it. Yeah. Arthur, knock it off, you creep. Um, no, but <laughs> now I forgot what I was saying. Uh, we were talking about um, being in the stadium. Oh, I wish I could just be at home. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the real challenges of uh, the NFL right now is like keeping people invested in the stadium experience because the experience at home keeps on getting so much better. Like, yeah. like the now TVs you can watch- keep getting better and that's a big part of Red it. Zone, um, yep. the ticket, all the uh, um, dual screens for like fantasy guys. Fantasy who have is an a iP- huge part of it. Like yeah. people like to have their laptop in front of them or their phone and they like to have red zone on and they like you know sit on their comfortable couch and and in some ways it's a little antiquated to go to the game sit and the way the football field is it's not always a great visual from depending on where your angle right. is it's not like going to a baseball game or a hockey game uh where the the field is set up in a way or, or the ice is set up where it's a good view from wherever right. you are i feel like hockey is 
the best sport to point out how live is better than TV. Hockey's hockey a great live, live sport. is hockey is a great live yeah. sport. You can go to a, you can watch a hockey match between two teams that you don't know, which is most likely if you are yeah. an American. But uh, um, you can watch a fucking hockey match or hockey game and be like, "Holy shit!" This TV doesn't do it justice no. for how fast and brutal and quick and what kind of stuff is happening on the ice. Football, I feel like. And this is here's my here's here's my new uh, theory on football. Football is one of the only sports that has adapted to television as a medium. Yeah, it's you know, I, I mean, great in, in like a great way. And it's like, hey, this is not as exciting. It's like, all right, cool, move the uh, move the extra points back. Oh, hey, it's, this is not all right, cool. Well, we'll touchbacks twenty five yards. You know, like yeah. I feel like no, it's a great point. A lot of other. Big-time leagues are afraid to make changes. Purists get in the way. And the NFL has always tried to enhance the product. Um, so it's like, yeah. And then the other the other thing I want to tell you about the Super Bowl experience that is so different, uh, the halftime show. Oh, right. It, that You're is, at a concert. That is not made, though, for the 70,000 people there. It uh... is a TV production. And you just happen to be there, and you're a part of, uh, of the, the visual for TV. But it's it's not anywhere right. close to like what you'd expect. Like Beyonce in New Orleans a couple of years ago when they said she causes a power outage. Great show, but when you're there watching it and the sound is kind of bad and like the angles are you know you're far away and you don't really see. You, She's flat to the ground. You're fucking yeah. however high up. And yeah. then you see you see it on TV and it's like this looks like a totally different thing because uh, it's designed for television, not for the people in the stadium. Right, that makes yeah. total sense. Uh, I was thinking that because I was going to say like, oh, it'd be like seeing Bruce at halftime in a stadium must be dope, but it's right. It's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's still a cool experience right. uh, to be there for that because again, it's one of those things where. And I, like I said, I've been to five. I'm going to be six this year, and it's like a surreal, always like a fun kind of experience to be at that moment. Uh, and it's cool to be like, okay, this is the halftime show that everyone's watching right now. Yeah. But it's you're not really getting a real gauge on it until you go home and check the DVR of it. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like that's true for a lot of concerts where you're like, that was really cool energy to be in the room. But yeah, I'm, I can't wait to watch the HD version of this yeah. on my big screen. I'm kind of out on in general with concerts sitting in the upper deck and stuff. I feel like I did that. Yeah, and now I won't if I if it's a big act like Bruce or U2 or something. I'm going to get lower i'll pay the extra money or i'm not gonna go right same here and i won't do general admission anymore either i just can't oh, you're out on that i just can't stand can for a that. couple hours yeah. <laughs> i'm like so i've gotten so old so fast i used to go to shows like weekly when i lived in new york and now i'm like like run the jewels is coming to la and i fucking love them and i'm like oh it's general admission only i don't want to be standing around for <laughs> you know you're phasing into that that uh kind of like the eagles fans or something where it's uh you pay for the golden circle for three hundred dollars that's right. how you get close to the stage like <laughs> yeah. you have to pay for it yeah i want to sit so in a fucking folding chair with yeah. my feet up yeah um the, uh, we should say because you are going to the super bowl and your work ramps up around the playoffs that is why we're having a general super bowl uh oh, yeah. episode where this will come out the week of the super bowl but we're we just had the wild card game so we're not going to be talking specifically about the matchup between the Blanks and the blanks. <laughs> Where are you in terms of? Because this is like an LA thing I've noticed too. Um, I grew up in New York and I've been here about seven years. Um, are you? Would you consider yourself a diehard sports fan or kind of like a middle, you know, five out of ten sports fans? Because I find in LA a lot of sports fans that consider themselves diehards you get into a conversation and you immediately like uh you're not that big a fan no no yeah i i think a lot of people use it for identity right and i think i'm like a probably 
I would say I'm like a nine on Giants. Right. And then like a four overall for sports. Maybe a, a five for NFL, nine on the Giants specifically. Right. And for, like I, I can watch football games. Um, I watch every Giants game. I can watch other football games. I don't even really like to watch baseball anymore on TV. Hmm. I was never really a basketball guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was like one of those things like when you're 13, all your friends are into basketball and you want to hate it. <laughs> yeah, and so right. then you just like, I hate basketball. And then you're like, you're like oh, I miss like fun years with the Knicks. Like, yeah. That's by being a hating basketball. That's yeah. how I was about ska. That's why I got into Chemical <laughs> Brothers when I was like 13 because all my friends were into ska. And oh, I was like, ska. Fuck this. Why were you a thing that was there? Yeah, for you listeners, <laughs> ska is a music that, came out like, that your dad may have listened to. There's uh, always one of you, one of your somebody in your circle of friends. At least one was a ska fanatic. Yep, and you just you kind of had to put up with it, but it was not something that anybody really enjoyed. Right, it was like uh, for Dave Matthews, for people who would later become Dave Matthews band fans. <laughs> right, they had this one little run where they were into ska. Right, like I feel like the Chemical Brothers and Prodigy and Fatboy Slim opened me up to like eventually coming around to like new wave and talking heads and right. stuff and where uh, I got into like computery kind of music. And I think ska for a lot of those kids that I went to junior high with are all that turned into Dave Matthews and like the, <laughs> dit, dit, and, which I guess is now Mumford and Sons and See, that kind of shit. Oh, that's interesting. I never really looked at it that way, but like the, acoustic white guy stuff yeah. versus like computer white guy stuff. Right, right, like exactly. the two. <laughs> um, Let's just say right now, before we, since we brought it up, this is after the wild card. I know you literally make a living off of talking yeah. about, but do you have any predictions or more importantly, do you have any hopes or something you want to see in this, in the, in the rest of these playoffs? And that way we can have the fun with retroactively yeah. saying like how close we well, were. Well, one of the best things about uh, working in my industry is like so, how serious some people take themselves in it. And <laughs> I am not one of them. Like. <laughs> I kind of I still look at football as like a uh, I'm a fan of it and uh, if I'm wrong I'm wrong all the time it's just right. the way it is. Uh you know I like I like that the Cowboys are involved and I know that probably is a Giants fan you like to, you don't like to hear that but things just seem a little more fun when the Cowboys are involved it's good to have like a villain in there. It's good to have a villain it's good to have a big market team and like Cowboys and uh I tweeted this last night cuz it just came to me I'm like if the Cowboys face the Pats in the Super Bowl who do I root for? Oh my god! And I think the answer. I think I came to the conclusion that I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Yeah. Because then that way, any Cowboys fans who are like, "We won the Super Bowl," I'm like, "But the Giants beat you twice." Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll always, always have, have that. that. <laughs> you'll always have that. And I think, I mean, for me as a, a tortured Jets fan, I don't necessarily want the Patriots to make the Super Bowl, even if it feels right now inevitable. But if you can get the Patriots to the Super Bowl and then they get taken down in, in, a, in a real crushing way, <laughs> I could I, I could subscribe to that. So maybe, let's say a Cowboys-Patriots Super Bowl or maybe Packers. I like Ooh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he fun. looked fucking great in the second half yeah, against and, the Giants. And, uh, you know, with the Patriots suffering in a defeat. I like that. Yeah, I as a Pats fan and as a non, I mean, as a Jets fan and as a non uh, Massachusetts American, you're rooting against <laughs> the, the Pats, like as you should, unless you're from certain bullshit parts of Connecticut or Massachusetts. And Giants fans will always have that, like the fact that you beat 
Brady and Belichick twice. <laughs> like you'll always have that. Even if even if the Giants advanced to the Super Bowl this year, which they didn't, and they <laughs> lost to the Patriots, it would have been kind of fine because you you'll always have 2007 when you made them go 18 and one, which is the best. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends from uh, uh, Cape Cod and Massachusetts who uh, all live out here now. Yeah, and they're like my football buddies. Yeah, which is a weird thing to find in L.A., especially being a comedy guy. Football friends is hard to come across. Yeah. Like I had some friends over to watch a Giants game the other day and it was like I know four guys who both are giant who like I know like twelve guys I know or twelve people I could call to watch football, but four of them are Giants fans. You know what I mean? Yeah, like three right, of them right, are Giants right. fans. It's like it's a weird thing to like going to watch football with friends is still a thing out here, but not like it was when I no. was in New York. Yeah. No, it's it's I mean I think LA is a good sports town. Um, it's not a great NFL town, in my opinion. It's a great college football town. People love USC. Yeah, it's. I don't think the Dodgers get enough credit because they get like forty thousand fans every game, which is and, wild. And Lakers yeah. and Clippers are huge, so yeah. it's a good sports town. Uh, but the NFL and like the Rams coming here this year, that didn't really take off, at least not yet. Uh, and and there's a chance the Chargers could come here, which I don't think necessarily that's a good idea because uh, I don't know if this town really has NFL fever. Yeah, like NF- driving to a game is really hard, no matter where oh, you live. Yeah. Driving anywhere in L.A. is hard. Imagine having to drive to like an L- – where, where is the Rams stadium? Well, they're playing in the Coliseum temporarily, but they're building a massive complex in Inglewood oh, okay. by the airport, uh, which is actually a good spot for it because it at least takes you out of like, it's like the downtown. It's like out of congestion, yeah. And, uh, and maybe that ends up being like a cool destination area. That's what they're hoping for. Right, like build up that area yeah. and there's like bars and shit around. But still, it. if you're living you know, on the east side of Los Angeles, that's, that's a hike. Yeah, that, oh, that's fucking br- – yeah, Rams, man. Interesting. Like, for uh, especially New York uh, fans with raising kids in L.A., are like they yeah. could potentially be Rams fans. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to really navigate that. Um, other than if I really need to like tell them I won't love them as much if they don't follow me. Like, <laughs> that's, and, fair. Uh, that's a completely reasonable thing yeah, for a dad no, to say. It sounds like I'm a horrible father, but no, uh, I would think. Yeah, I mean, if if we're living out here and they start to kind of come of age in the sense of like as a sports fan. I would not stop them of getting getting behind the Rams. I don't think. Right. Uh, I would I would step in if it was like oh we want to be Patriots fans. Right. I would, like or uh, any other Jets rival and you know the Dolphins or the like Giants. My... I wouldn't feel comfortable about to be honest with you. Uh, but if you if you want to root for a California team and we're out here, I can't really get in the that's way. That's hard that. to say because like that's like they're growing up in the town. yeah and the uh, kids at school and everything. You know, a mutual friend uh, and former guest of the podcast Bob Castrones, yeah. his son told him. But dad, I'm from LA. Yeah, I'm gonna. I want to be a Rams fan, and he was like, "Hard to argue." Yeah, <laughs> he's got I, airtight we, logic. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, and in, in in the sense that that's a tough decision because, and I respect it because there's logic to it. But then there's the side of it when you start to think of like um, a big softy dad, and I'm like. You know, I want to be able to like sit back and watch my team with my son, and we're both rooting for it. You're, like you'll lose that, uh, but you can't. There's only only so much you can control. You know? <laughs> my dad uh, was, of course, a Giants fan growing up. That's I was. It's genetic. But my middle brother, who's now a Giants fan, had like an mm. eight had like an eight year uh, rebellion where uh, he liked the, the Eagles. Oh, you can't do that. I know that is, is not allowed. He did it from like ten to like, maybe it was even. He did it from like ten to sixteen, and it felt like it was 
solely because of Randall Cunningham and Slash uh, as a direct fuck you yeah. to my dad. <laughs> yeah, well, if, I mean, there's some family dy- dynamic in there, but that is <laughs> virtually unheard of. I know. To go in division and then switch. Switching in general is kind of like a, a bit of a red uh, flag for me, uh, but to switch from the Eagles to Giants, that is wild. Yeah, I, was, I had this long switch conversation with someone recently because um, I was trying to say, like, do I need an LA team to support? So I have like a, I have like a little bit of money now. I'm yeah. on TV once Humble in a while, brag. even yeah. less, maybe not as much as I should be. Yeah. As as, but um, I have a little bit. Like I could afford to go to some games for the first time. Like, of course, the second I move out of Brooklyn is when the Islanders moved. Right. I lived like I lived like a half mile from Barclays. Yep. And then the Islanders moved there. The Giants, I finally have money to go to Giants games, and now I don't live on the East Coast. My father, my stepfather-in-law is a season ticket holder, and he wasn't in our lives. A couple, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. all this shit fell into place. I'm like, now I live in LA. It's like, I can't give up on Giants. I can't switch from Yankees to Dodgers. But I'm like, I went to a Kings game. I was like, maybe I'll just become like a just Kings to feel it out. fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, feel it out. Because like, it's a hard, I, I like going to games, but if I don't have like a team in the fight, it's like less yeah. exciting for me. What Maybe you just got to go like completely in a fresh direction. Maybe get behind one of these MLS teams. Like, That's go down not that a bad road. idea. Yeah. Like get, be a fan of the... I also fear that my identity is so attached to New York between my voice yeah. and... I don't know, Gabrus, like, and, season ticket LA this, Galaxy fan. Wow, a tattoo on the inside of your bicep of Long Island kind of precludes <laughs> you from becoming a LA sports fan. You could probably, like, remold that into the state of California <laughs> yeah, if right. you really wanted to. I'll just put to. it down, <laughs> down it this way and put Baja. Yeah. Um, oh, MLS is a good idea. It's an option. Yeah. Or become I, like maybe a, a college football fan. Maybe like start going to USC games or I, something like that. Yeah, like I went to school in Boston at a school that didn't really have a football program. And that's like one of my big regrets, I'd say. Harvard. I, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We know. Bunker around the hill. No, I went to Northeastern and they actually got rid of their football program a few years after I left. That's how popular it was. <laughs> um, and yeah. And and I I do like kind of regret not going to a school with like a fun college football atmosphere. That, my wife and you I know? were talking about this recently about regrets about college because my because my mom said to me over Christmas break, "Well, if you could have went anywhere instead of Marist, which is like the small liberal arts yep. school I went to, I was like, well, she was like, where would you go? I'm like." NYU probably because I would eventually move to the city and start doing comedy. I might as well start. And then I was like, ooh, or maybe like University of Hawaii. So I live in Hawaii. And I was like, no, UCLA. Then all of a sudden I was like, (laughs) what I realized, I was listing the exact opposite of a small Catholic school with no sports. I was like, Notre Dame. We can watch football. All of a sudden I was like, all right, now I know what I'm, I wanted to go to a big college that had like a big football program. My mom wanted me to go to Notre Dame because she's Irish. And it was always just like this blanket thing. You're going to go to Notre Dame. And I was like, I don't know. And then I found out it's in Indiana. And I was like, I'm not going to Indiana. Fuck that. that South Bend. Yeah. Was that Marist Red Foxes? Yes, it was. Whoa, shit. Rick Smiths went to. uh, Yeah, Rick Smiths and Bill O'Reilly and, and then maybe really? me is the order of the three most famous alum. That's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> Just nice behind company. the Dunking Dutchman and Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> the bronze medalist. And Bill O'Reilly is also from Long Island, too. Oh, so he's go. like, uh, I'm really following it. Is yeah. <laughs> I am famous for sexual harassment. <laughs> you got to get O'Reilly out of the picture so you can. Yeah. Be the Fuck number it. One. I'm doing it live. That's like my favorite. One of my favorite it viral is. videos. It <laughs> is an all timer. Fuck it. <laughs> 
We're doing it live. The Berman meltdown. Oh, that's a good one, too. Uh, who's good... now stepping, or he's being kind of put out to pasture at ESPN. Oh, it's so... Uh, he, his meltdown, it was like a Monday night football halftime telecast in like 2000, where he just starts screaming at some people that were walking underneath the camera. Another YouTube <laughs> gem, if you want to check that out. We'll look it up. Yeah. Um. So do you have any distinct super... Maybe pre going to them, or maybe even from your childhood. Do you have any distinct Super Bowl memories? I'll I'll, I'll kick it off with. You said was it two thousand and when was the first Giants patch? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven season. Yeah. Yeah. A buddy of mine was living in Jersey City. He's like my best friend from childhood. Also a diehard Giants fan. Text text thread is on Sundays blowing up, and it's all complaining about OBJ or something <laughs> like that. But um, we went to his house for the game. I had that was the year that the Giants were like seven and six, and then won it out, or six and yeah, two, whatever, and they like they won either out nine and seven or ten and six. And yeah, ten and got six, hot. and then they yeah. won. Yeah, and so uh, we were like, um, I was I was also big into Bowdog be- online betting at the time. <laughs> I eventually had to get rid of my account for reasons you'll see, and. Uh, <laughs> I bet I started betting on the Giants money line, just being like they were always the underdog, and I was like, "Fuck it, Giants money line, forty bucks." Oh, I hit. It's like one hundred and ten. And then the next week, I'd be like, one hundred and ten dollars on the money line, and then it hit. And then the Giants won and were the underdogs all the way through the every Super week. Bowl. They uh, were. Uh, yeah, and I made like three thousand dollars on Bowdog off of That's one funny. like forty dollar bet. I just kept letting it ride higher and higher. That is like you are like the junior version of famous Artie Lang when he was on Howard Stern did the same thing but only with like tens of thousands of dollars and I think he made like over a hundred grand off the Giants run <laughs> not the first time someone's told me I'm the junior version of Artie Lang <laughs> maybe only in per- uh, pertaining to this specific story but we have a lot in common <laughs> um, well very talented John. yeah thank, thank yeah. you that's what I was getting at we're both hilarious <laughs> um, and I and I hit the fourth quarter in my bar pool no, you didn't. so we wow. came home from Jersey City I literally cried when uh, that was the Tyree catch. That was all that shit was that one. I was crying. I'm in the cab. I know I have three thousand dollars in my boat dog account, and we stop at my local bar on the way home, and I get another thousand dollars in cash. Wow! And I'm already just ecstatic to have watched the Giants run it out. Yeah. And then on top of it, I'm getting like a fucking cash bonus. I put a hundred dollars down on the bar, and I'm like, everybody. I'm like twenty six, <laughs> twenty five. I'm like, everybody drinks for free, you know. And I'm like, my wife's like, shut up about winning. I'm like, I won the. Play. She's like, someone's gonna jump you. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was like my favorite. How did you chase that high? Did you have to go like kill a homeless guy in <laughs> no, an alley like, or something? I, I think that's the night I learned like what, how SNL people got into drugs. Because it was like, <laughs> oh, it's a real come down on that Monday. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I guess uh, I'll check out the parade. Um, I also remember that we were making uh, food for my friends. Uh, shout out to Sanford and Dove. Going to their house for this game. And I didn't have a – my Giants t-shirt had ripped. Mm. And I didn't have – wasn't in the uh, – uh, level of being able to afford a jersey yet, so I bought I bought a white T shirt, wrote Shocky and the number eighty on it, and wore it, and it was like a size medium, and I had like a fake Shocky jersey on the whole time, cheering. Wore it in the fucking bar at the whole night. It was like a that was That's just a great, great day. Uh, are you a superstitious sports fan? Uh, a little bit, yeah. a little bit. I 
taking to ensuring I try to smoke weed at halftime recently. <laughs> Which, but that that goes to show you that's more of like <laughs> attaching my addiction to superstition. Yeah, that's probably mean, a good idea though, because the thing with sports is sometimes you take it too seriously in the moment. Yeah, I feel like smoking weed at halftime might help you put it in perspective when the game gets away from the Giants the way it did. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. Or, as it often does in the second <laughs> half of a football yeah. game. My dad had an old <clears throat> Joe Namath poster that. My dad is somebody, one of those guys, he takes care of his stuff, so he has things that are 50 years old. So he takes, he used to take out this Joe Namath poster that he got when he was like a teenager, and we'd take it out and we'd put it next to the TV before games. And then it's like the Jets blew every season anyway, and eventually we came to realize like we're putting this out for good luck. There's no good luck coming from it. We don't have a good luck. Maybe that's what we're missing. We just needed some type of good luck charm, and we've just never found it. Right, that's really funny. Like, it's really funny. Superstition goes out the window if your team blows yeah, all it, the time. It's eventually, like... Joe went back in the attic. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, what are we even doing here anymore? You're like, I imagine yours is like a New York Silver Linings playbook. Like, yeah, your dad's exactly. like, pull out the name of Foster. Sit down, sit down. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, we were. We were not superstitious. My dad liked to wear, uh, when I was a kid, I got a gifted a Rodney Hampton jersey that said Gabrus <laughs> as the last name. And my dad kind of took to wearing that on Christmas. <laughs> I mean, on yeah. Sundays, on Christmas. Merry Christmas from Rodney Hampton and company. <laughs> so it was a number 27 Giants jersey with ha- Hampton on the back? Wait, it with, said Gabrus on, on the back. And uh, uh, busted it out again in the Ron Dane years. <laughs> That's funny. Who's also number 27. Yeah, I, I've always been a little like torn on whether people should be do- personalizing the jerseys with their names on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Like- I think you should if the number is nobody. Like if you make a fake number or if you put double zero or pick your number, as yeah. long as it's not a fa- – like I think it's stupid if you have a San Francisco jersey with 16 and it says Hansis on yeah. the back. Like that's yeah. like right. – you're not Joe Get Montana. it together, bro. My dad used to – oh, God, this just reminds me. My dad was a monster, but he was very funny. We went to go to a Giants game. And if there was like a really fat guy wearing like a shocky jersey or super fat white dude wearing like um, a Tiki Barber jersey, my dad would be like audible so the guy could hear, look, John, it's Jeremy Shockey. You know, like (laughs) just being like, you fat fuck, you know you're not him. And my dad would do that to like everybody. Ooh, look, Ron Dane. It's like just a dumpy white dude. Like he cut to the other side and there's like a tear running down the guy's cheek. I know. I I know my limitation. Well, to prove my dad wrong, I eventually became a fat white scumbag. (laughs) Take that, pops. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we had no real superstitions. Um, uh, Oh, I I also like to get jerseys of underappreciated players. That's a good move. That's a good move. Like, I have, uh, maybe I, oh, it's on the other side. It's put away for the winner, but I have a Steve Weatherford uh, jersey. Yeah, I like to go off someone's, like, me and my buddy Sanford, the aforementioned Sanford, we pick, like, a random player to just hype, like, crazy between us, and, like, Steve Weatherford shows up. He's covered in tattoos. He's shredded. He's the punter. Yeah. And all we would do is like root for Steve Weatherford to the point where I bought the jersey. We would always just on third when we watch the games together. It'd be like it's like fourth down. Be like fake punt. Give it to Weatherford. Let Weatherford take it. <laughs> and then one time he did a fake punt. Was like annihilated. Had a fumble that went out of bounds. And we were like, oh, we need a new hero. It's Asa. a brilliant uh, uh, obscure jersey pick though because. In Super Bowl 46, which was the second win over the Patriots, 
he could have easily won MVP. He had the greatest game in the history of the Super Bowl at the punter's position. And I actually went, I was at a Super Bowl party last year and I saw him there and I told him that. And he was like, yeah, I know. Like, like he knew, everyone knows that Steve Weatherford is kind of a legend in Giants history, but he doesn't quite get appreciated. And you have his jersey. In your I have closet. his jersey. And that? also in that game, he's the placeholder for the winning field goal. And he goes, ape shit. And the other cool thing I thought about him there is that you're not supposed to wear rings in the NFL, and he wore his wedding bands. Yeah, and I was like, "Dude's into his wife. He's fucking shredded, tatted up, the punter." Yeah, like, and he's like the most ripped dude. Yeah. <laughs> I still follow Weatherford on Snapchat. I have a f- received via DM that if he's ever in LA, he will be on High and Mighty. Oh, that's yeah, good. He so would be a good uh, guest I think on be this a good show. Guest. We can yeah. talk fitness and New York, which is <laughs> two things I used to do. <laughs> Um, what about you? Any, uh, like I remember watching the giants bills at my dad and my, mm. my parents house, my first ch- my childhood home in the basement. And remember when the field goal was, I knew I didn't even like care that much. I must've been like nine or 10 during that Super Bowl. Right. I didn't care that much, but I remember the feeling when that field goal, when Norwood missed the field goal, I distinctly remember, like I could see the wood panel in the walls as my dad and my his my, my uncles, his brothers are like scre- wasted, screaming and jumping <laughs> around. And I was like, this is football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say my um, first Super Bowl memory would be a couple of years before that. It was the 49ers and Cincinnati Bengals. It was. Super Bowl twenty three, so it was January eighty nine, I believe. And remember, like I remember watching it with my dad and like kind of being proud that I was kind of plugged in and knew what was going on. But I remember it being my favorite part about it was it was the first Bud Bowl. In the yes, commercial, Bud versus Bud, Bud Light. Bud versus Bud Light, and it was like to me because the way they did it was kind of a brilliant like ad campaign. They did update commercials throughout the game itself. Uh, as if the game was meta. running concurrently. Yeah, and then like I, I kind of feel like Bud Light might have won, uh, but it was like some type of winning play at the end of the game, and I remember that to me was the coolest aspect <laughs> of the Super Bowl, the first one I really kind of was plugged in on. It's really interesting that you say uh, being able to talk to your – like uh, I think that's a big thing for a lot of guys who get into football. When uh, It's a way to talk to your da- – like it's a way to feel like an adult. Yeah. Like, when your dad is talking to his buddies and if they're bitching about the Giants, you can sort of chime in. And the moment someone takes you seriously when you're like, you're like, I fucking love Charles Way. Where there's yeah. a will, there's a way. And someone <laughs> looks at you like a grown up looks at you at like 12 and they're like, hell yeah, dude. It's like one of the only things when you're a little kid that as long as you're reading the papers and watching Sports Center, you could be on even footing in an adult conversation. Right, because no know? one is any more inter- informed than anyone else. I think. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's, and it really is a like a fast rope to adult. And it's also, especially in the world of like in-laws and um, dealing with guys who aren't necessarily showrunners of TV shows or whatever, right. it's football is a great shorthand to yep. just interact for small talk for connection like my wife's grandmother's funeral was right before christmas and it was the giants were maybe going to clinch oh, and right. i have like a giants winter hat that i only own one winter hat never get to use it so i brought it home and i'm wearing it and i'm literally loading the casket one of the pallbearers i'm like loading the casket oh, in the no. car and the guy leans over to me he's like 
if o- if that wasn't a fucking block in the back, OBJ would have had a touchdown. He's like <laughs> the funeral home employee, like leans in and cur- and I was like, that right there is like I'm in New York wearing yeah. a Giants hat. This dude knows even while I'm loading a coffin like, with my wife's grandmother, know. he can lean in and go like, yeah. hey, fuck blocking in the back. Yeah. Huh? And I was like, I told my wife, I was like, that's what fo- that's the that's the magic of football fandom where it's like yep. you can just. Like on Twitter, just I could just be like Dallas sucks, and and just and just get after it against people, yeah, which is yeah. like so exciting. Yeah, I, there is kind of like we're all in this together type vibe if you're a fan of a team, right? As long you as know. you're not one of those monsters who like takes it too far and like slugs someone outside a candlestick or some yeah. shit like that, which is known to happen in depending on the city that you're in. That shit sketches me out. Yeah. That fucking eagle esque kind yeah. of activity. Like if you go, I remember of all of all things, the one year. Another failed experiment in Jets history. The one year Brett Favre was on the team. This is 2008. We, I drove down uh, from L.A. with a buddy of mine, and we went to San Diego to see him play the Chargers. And we get there, and I'm like, oh, I, I never even thought about it because San Diego, you know, it was like a, a chill town. Yeah. And, like you wouldn't think it was extreme. We go, we're trying to get to our seats, and these two dudes, and we're wearing Jets jerseys. These two dudes like kind of get in the alley in the aisle and won't let us pass. And then uh, at one point, like, I caught, like, a knee in the back after the Jets did something wrong. I'm like, this happened in San Diego? Oh, it's so... And then other places, if you go to Oakland, you better not even wear your colors of your team if you're not a Raiders fan. You got to know where you can kind of have fun with it being the other side of it and where just to shut the fuck up. I know. I've thought about that because the Rams and the Giants are playing each other now. And I was so pumped that the Rams are moving out of here. Saw that the Giants are playing them. Of course, that's the one that's in England. Yeah. And then this this coming up year, it's a home game at MetLife. So I'm not going to... You're cursed. I'm cursed. But yeah. maybe in the third year, because uh, uh, the, they'll flip it, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. And so the Giants will come to play the Rams, and I can look forward to that as like a, a big day. And I'm like... Already in my head, like, I'm going to just have to overpay so I feel like I'm safe in a box. You know what, though? There's so many transplants from New York. I feel like when the Giants play their first game uh, at the Coliseum, it would probably be 30 to 40% Giants fans. There might be safety in numbers there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the same thing I've been to, I've only really been to Giants games for football in in MetLife, and it's like, uh, or Meadowlands. Giants fans are mean. Like, they love to talk shit, but. If you're there in an Eagles jersey, it's more like, "Hey, fuck you, hey, good play, pal," and it's not, it's not like, "Let's fucking beat this guy with a battery in a yeah. sock or something like that." Yeah, I, I one of the things I miss about now living in LA and working at the NFL is I haven't gone to a Jet game in several years, and uh, that is that could be a rough home crowd on like, especially like a 4 p.m. kickoff when people have been getting sauced since 10 a.m. in the tailgate <laughs> and then the game. Cause inevitably with the jets, it usually turns sour. It's not, <laughs> it's not the easiest, uh, crowd to be in even as a jets fan right. with the, the drunken angriness and right because it's just a level of anger that's it not... kind of like <laughs> reminds me like when i went to college in boston that when i went to red sox games before they started winning world series there was like an, there was an anger in the crowd and if you went to like a yankee i went to yankees games a lot when i was up there and if it turned against the red sox uh, it would the this mood of the stadium would change on certain nights, and it would just be because you that kind of all that kind of anger and that that all that kind of disappointment sometimes will build up in, when the fans are all together. We call that white rage. <laughs> <laughs> 
sounds about right. <laughs> this is the worst thing going on in my life. I don't want to <laughs> look inward at my family and my personal connections and my career. I am angry at the Jets. <laughs> we got, yeah, we got hit at that game at Fenway Park. I know this isn't football, but somebody drank about 85% of their beer and then spit peanut shells into the, the rest of the beer and then threw it like a grenade at us. <laughs> And we got destroyed with it. Oh. So, what are you going to do? Fans. Fans. They're great. So, oh, what, a, what an enjoyable experience being pegged with a fucking half full beer can. No, no I don't miss that. Uh, what are, uh, are there anything, things around? Oh, here's a question as someone who works at the NFL. Yeah. How do you feel about the Pro Bowl? Does anyone even, <laughs> does that, anyone even like it? Do the players like it? Well, con- con- contractually, uh, John, I have to tell you that I love the Pro Bowl. <laughs> It's a weird well, thing they make me sign. An exciting uh, all-star game between all the best players in each con- No, uh, you know, I, I wonder if it's going to be around too much longer. They're, the they I don't know if you were aware of this because not a lot of people are plugged in on the Pro Bowl. But the last three or four years, they kind of tried to make it into a fantasy draft. They went from it used to be just AFC versus NFC. And that uh, kind of lost its luster, and a lot of guys weren't going to the game. So then they, they said, okay, fantasy football is popular. Let's have two legends, Jerry Rice and Dion, and they'll, they'll pick teams. Oh, and, and they'll, like, draft them. Yeah, and that didn't work either. So now they're going back to uh, AFC against NFC, and um, it's just not a – the problem with it is is that, like, let's say look at, like, the NBA or Major League Baseball or the NHL – it's right in the middle of the season and it's kind of a nice little diversion and a nice little change of pace in the middle of a long season in the NFL. That's not possible because of injuries and guys aren't going to play an exhibition game in the middle of the season. (laughs) So you try to stick it at the end of the season, but then it just doesn't fit. There's no juice. And I think that's the ultimate problem that the guys, and it's such a, and now the other thing with like people learning how truly violent and what a toll it takes on guys guys like well am i gonna play another game and that that means nothing yeah and and guys get hurt in the game sometimes like the star tight end of cincinnati tyler eifert jacked up his foot at the game last year and and missed a big portion of this up this season and and he said i'm never playing in that game again and i don't i think guys are more serious about how they treat their bodies so you're losing stars on top of it right yeah and it's it's great because it is also like hard to get like in the ramp up to football season, I always found Pro Bowl weekend to be like, huh, don't right. have to think about football. Just oh, Super Bowl next week. Yeah. What, yeah. But it's, I can only imagine if you have to play in it. The J- did, did they give it some sort of stakes? Like if whatever conference wins, that they get to call the coin flip or something like that? Do they I get the, the, the winning team gets the girlfriends and wives of the losing team. It's <laughs> yeah. very kind of weird. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of... <laughs> I don't agree with it. No, baseball. There are some things about the NFL that are still a little archaic, including <laughs> yeah, the they possession get of, rid one. of that because it's, it's a terrible thing. No, but uh, baseball had a thing that they just got rid of, which is the winner gets home field advantage. Oh yeah, which never made sense. But they were trying to juice up their game. The NFL, uh, no, there's no type of uh, real incentive. I think they get more money if you win. But uh, yeah, the thing that I kind of liked uh, in the '90s and earlier 2000s is when the ESPN would have those skills competitions. That, that was those what, were fun. That was going to be my pitch to you. I'm like, hey, yeah. br- run this up the run this <laughs> up, up the ladder flagpole. when you get back to work, please. Yeah. But I feel like I would, and maybe the dudes would rather do it too. I would I would rather watch like the f- three best quarterbacks that aren't in the Super Bowl. Have an accuracy distance. They're bringing it back this year. Yeah, which is they brought it back this year. There's going to be an accuracy, or some type of foot race, and then dodgeball. 
Oh, so they're trying. They're trying because they hear people. We're not the first people to like bring this to them. So they're trying to bring that back. But we'll see. The horse might be out of the barn on the whole right, event. Yeah. We'll see. I would also like. I would rewatch the combine in a way. You know what I mean? I would love to see like. <laughs> there's a bench press competition, so yeah. it's like let's see all those big fucking D tackles get to bang out two twenty five. Right. You know, like that would be fun. Yeah, that's the kind of shit I'm into. Obviously. A trophy and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's like this guy. So like everyone's always like he crushed it in the combine, but then it would be really fun if it's like. You should have seen what Snacks Harrison did at Pro Bowl weekend on, and he has like he, three years in a row best performance in the bench or something like that. Could be like a fun. I think a good maybe project uh, would be to sneak into one of those competitions and then drink motor oil right before <laughs> yeah, and just see if everybody right. just like quits and says no, this guy, <laughs> this guy means dangerous. business. Hey, this super fat dude in cargo shorts <laughs> is wandering on the field. He must be a badass. He's drinking poison. I don't want to face him. <laughs> oh, he did two twenty five seven times only because it's way less than his body weight. Uh, I, now that it would be really fun to have like. Uh, a 40 yard dash for people over 300 pounds like linemen <laughs> racing uh, in a 40 yeah, yard dash would be really one. fun or yep. like uh making like little players do something particular you know like i feel like you can have you want like demeaning activities yeah, i, like I want to be like i want like uh, the offensive line to stand around and berate the quarterback for yeah. stupid shit he's done over the years put them in dresses <laughs> <laughs> but i think honestly that's what the like nfl could you like it should be like um fucking uh who, who, who's a huge like say Aaron Rodgers is making Aaron Rodgers is automatic quarterback for the kids flag mm, football dem- like you know that. like it should be all kinds of stuff like that where you you can watch for a weekend of all different kinds of football activities but none of those guys are putting their fucking lives or careers right. on the line I like that yeah I like Aaron Rodgers playing with a bunch of nine-year-olds with the stakes very high yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like that's really funny like trying super hard is like yeah. I, I and I guess saying automatic quarterback really just threw me back to like does, junior yeah. high those are the good old days. Yeah, uh, everybody wanted to be the automatic quarterback. Yeah. There's nothing more fun <laughs> than always being quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, glory on every fucking yeah. play. <laughs> and that was uh, only... I threw an interception. Oh, my ball again. That's <laughs> All great. Right, well, yeah. I guess I'll try not to for this other team. Yeah. <laughs> that would be such a. Uh, or like, is there like. You know, like special team like events, like the punter and the chaser. It's like, how close can we get it to the one? You know, like like do shit like that so you get everybody going to Hawaii and having a fucking weekend. It's not even in Hawaii anymore. They moved it to Orlando. Oh, that's like that is the downgrade that is exactly analogous to America. It's like you want to be Hawaii? Well, here I got something for you. Landlocked city in the hottest asshole in America. I'm sure there was a reason for it. I just haven't heard why. The decision was made to move yeah. it to Orlando. I would imagine the players are less than thrilled. <laughs> I, I would imagine you're right about that. And I would imagine Hawaii is completely okay with that decision. <laughs> yeah. Um. What uh? What do you look forward to in uh in the Super Bowl? Like, is there any particular moments that mean a lot to you? Like that because we don't know who's going to be playing in this. Yeah. I, uh, we don't know if for sure Dallas is going to beat New England in the fourth quarter. We don't know that. Well, one thing like we're all lucky about is that the Super Bowl used to be kind of just like a coronation for a great team. Remember like when the Cowboys and the 49ers in the nineties, once they beat one beat the other, the Super Bowl was just kind of like something that had to get, you had to it get out of the way at that point. It was, yeah, like, yeah, was going to be won- a 30 point victory or so. <laughs> you won the championships in like uh second week of the playoffs. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. But now the Super Bowl is a great game and that kind of ties into the league. There's more parity to the league now, which I think, on balance is a really good thing. So I always look forward to a good game because there's nothing kind of more exciting, whether you're watching the game at home or at the stadium, than 
uh, a Super Bowl going down to the last couple minutes because the stakes are so high and that's yeah. where like legacies are made and that's where heroes are are formed and and goats are, are christened that's forever. The, yeah, that's I mean, where you get the goat title. Yeah, think about that last Patriot Seahawks Super Bowl a couple of years ago where they try to pass it at the goal line. Uh, and Malcolm Butler, the Patriots, intercepted it. That guy will never have to buy a drink in New England ever again. Right. One play. This undrafted rookie uh, picks the pass off where they should have just handed it to Marshawn Lynch, but they made the play call that will live in infamy in Seattle. That's the kind of stuff that makes the Super Bowl so fun because yeah. the stakes are just so high. Like Tyree will never uh, – Tyree, Now that he's man. like an assistant coach at uh, Syracuse High School or wherever, that yeah. poor guy ended up. I mean, that guy – I don't think <laughs> – I actually don't think he ever had another catch. No, yeah, which is a, not a bad catch to have as your last. No, one. I mean that's how you that's how you get out. You yeah, know? <laughs> I mean like that's just it's funny you say that. That's the shit I love about the Super Bowl is when one guy randomly has a very good yep. game and it happens to be the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you're like, holy shit, throw it to Sterling Shepard, you know, or like whatever, some arbitrary right. third receiver or like a a linebacker or a, a safety who you don't really hear much from gets two sacks in the game, yeah. and all of a sudden. People, because and the other thing is, it's not it's not just Pats fans watching the Super Bowl. It's not just Seattle. Right. So like, you get that like le- that the fame or infamy that comes with a good play or a bad play in the Super Bowl is like exponentially yeah. increased. And yeah. it's just everyone is watching it. Like even if you're not a diehard football fan, there's like 200 million people watching the game. So it's just, uh, just you know, that's the best part for me. Still being at that game is knowing just being at the center of the sports universe, kind of like the pop culture universe of it. And uh, like some people that work in my industry uh, take that stuff for granted, but I never have. Yeah, like, I love the I, getting to go to the Super Bowl and stuff. That's the, the Super Bowl transcends football and arguably sports. The Super Bowl is cultural. It's like yeah. a thing. You could be a almost anti NFL and you'll watch the super like you'll people watch hate the super- watch the NFL. They, yeah. yeah, they'll just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and the thing about going to the, to these games also is that you see how the Super Bowl uh, transforms the city that it's in and it becomes like Super Bowl City. Which uh, is cool as hell. Except for what, one exception, and I'll, maybe I'll give you a guess in the last five years, the one city that was stubborn enough to say, no, we're not going to bend over and be Super Bowl City. We are who we are. San Francisco. No, New York. Ah! <laughs> New York was the only one where I went went there, and then, you know, because I'm from there, I would go to meet up for friend, with friends, and you wouldn't even know the Super Bowl was in town during that <laughs> Super Bowl week. But, like, if you went when we went to Indianapolis, it was it was Super Bowl City, and there were... There was like greeting committees and and people that knitted uh, caps and and gave it to the media members. Like yeah. it was just like oh, that's the, cool. t- the town lived and breathed it. It's like going it to a great. football festival for yeah. a weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A, San Francisco is a little weird in the sense that that stadium is like an hour away from San Francisco. It's yes. like near San Jose. <laughs> that's uh, what, that was my guess as to why it might have uh, been and, weird there. But San Francisco itself was still kind of had that buzz and electricity leading up to the game. But then you got on a bus and you were traveling for an hour and you're like, oh, we're driving by the arena where the Golden State Warriors play. <laughs> yeah. where, where is the stadium? That is kind of like if you're going to a New York Super Bowl, it's like you get off at Penn Station. Here are the Knicks and Rangers play. <laughs> get on this bus and it's a 45-minute drive to New Jersey. <laughs> Go in this tunnel where 
Sylvester Stallone and his uh, son once, uh, you Daylight. know, defied death. <laughs> I can't believe we have to end it on a – we got back to another yeah. movie of Sylvester Stallone's. Dan, thank you for coming in. Is there, do you have any parting Super Bowl thoughts? I didn't want to cut you off there, but it was just too perfect of a moment. Uh, yeah. Any, anybody but the Patriots. Anybody but the Patriots. Yeah. I will strong second that. I would <laughs> like the Cowboys to be – I just want Prescott to have a great like it's so exciting for him to have a good year. Like removing the Cowboys from that narrative, it's really cool if he just keeps crushing. Yeah, yeah. That's and if Aaron Rodgers and this again, we're all going to look like dumbasses. Uh, you know, yeah, we're going to look like dumbasses when Atlanta like wins it all. <laughs> yeah, but like Aaron Rodgers, who predicted uh, seven weeks ago that they could run the table, if he if they win their last ten games of the year, nine games of the year, and the Super Bowl. He's going to be like, that's a legendary run that will never be forgotten. So that, there's all these fun little subplots. Yeah. Tom Brady's 39. He has a chance to win his fifth Super Bowl. As much as I, I'm done with the Patriots winning Super Bowls, that's pretty special. That's fun to Does watch. Does he retire if he gets that? I don't know. This this guy, I mean, it's it's deadly. On our podcast, I said that uh, before the season, I predicted he would go into a hashtag slight regression. I was trying to will it to happen, but he actually got better. No one has been this good at this age, and I think he wants to play till he's like 45, 46. So... I mean, Jets fans are not out of the woods yet. Amazingly, <laughs> what a what a fucking boot on the neck for the Jets fans. It's like actually Brady's going to play till twenty twenty, and you're like, you got me. It's so Jets. Kidding me. It's so Jets that they run into the one uh, giant of the league that never gets old. Right? He's he, like only gets better. He's suspiciously awesome into his forties. Like I I don't want to think about that. Yes. Uh, Dan, where can people find you online or yell at you for your incorrect uh, pred- <laughs> hot takes? Uh, at Dan Hansis on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And- H-A-N-Z-U-S. Correct. Yeah. And uh, are around the an NFL podcast three times a week. You get that on iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, That's called around the around the NFL podcast. Oh, around the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very original name. I know. It sounded like you were trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, like, exactly. it's around the NFL podcast. <laughs> oh, whoops. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. So that, yeah, we do that, and then uh, NFL dot com slash end around uh, to the read the stuff I write. All right, check out Hansis's stuff at uh, NFL dot com slash end around. You heard it. Around the NFL podcast. Download it uh, if you. Like football and listen to this podcast, it makes no sense for you not to jump to that one. <laughs> Come on. And, you know, you're pretty caught up. <laughs> there's not a lot. There's not. There's only a few teams left, so you don't have to stress about. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> there's not going to be much talk about the Giants on this week. <laughs> Unlikely, no. <laughs> um, as always, I'm at John Gabris on Twitter. No H's in John or Gabris. Buy yourself a High and Mighty t-shirt, and hopefully soon I'll have more stuff to plug. Enjoy your Super Bowl, shitheads. <laughs> That was a headgum podcast.